0: Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. I'm going to preach on how to live in the year 2022. Now, understand January is behind us, and uh, we're already in February, but how should we live in January or in February of 2022? You know, I, I believe the Bible tells us how we should live, and most of us, we think we can live without the Bible. You can't live without the Bible. God tells us how to live. And I would encourage you, if you're not in the habit of taking notes, to take notes this morning, because I believe there's three things that Peter tells us on how to live. Now, remember, this is a Peter that walked on water. The only time I ever walked on water is when there was ice on the water. All right, and I walked on um, some ice in Wisconsin. But uh, uh, Peter walked on water. Uh, Peter, it was St. Peter that denied Jesus three different times. Now all of us, we would like to change our circumstances, and yet God wants to change us. We can't change our circumstances. God's in control of our circumstances. And whatever happens to us, we need to respond in the right way. It was Sunday night. We were putting some packages together for persecuted Christians. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your response. Uh, we had to order eight more packets because we had so many supplies of like, uh, band-aids and, um, combs and toothpaste and, uh, just you name it, cloths And wow, you did a wonderful job. And one of the things we did Sunday night, uh, we prayed for the, persecuted Christians, because we didn't know where these packets were going to. And the people at our table, we all prayed. And I told them, I said, if we were being persecuted, we would want someone to pray for us. And secondly, I don't know, someday we may be persecuted. And folks, we need to have faith before we're persecuted. What did Peter say to persecuted Christians that were scattered abroad? I believe Peter has a message for each one of us this morning. Notice in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, and they were scattered because of persecution. Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath forgotten, begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Then skip to verse 15. But as he hath, which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Verse 17. If ye be called, if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourn here in fear. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I believe you have a message for each one of us this morning. I do pray that you'd quiet our hearts, help us to pay attention to your word. And Father, I think of those who could not make it this morning because of the weather or because of sickness. But Lord, use this message in our hearts and lives today, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, all of us understand whether we live that way or not, we understand that you prepare for a storm before the storm hits. You don't prepare for the storm when the storm is already hitting. It was Thursday, my wife said to me, I think we need another snow shovel. I said, all right. So she went into town to get a snow shovel, came back, and I said, what kind of snow shovel did you get? So I didn't get one. They were all gone. Now, folks, if you live down south and uh, you're on the golf course and they were golf coast and they were um, announcing for days that there's going to be a hurricane, and you're upstairs and the hurricane comes and uh, the rain is uh, beating on your windows and on your house at 100 miles an hour, that is not the time for you to board up the windows. It's a little late for that. It's not time for you to get some sandbags and put it around your house. Now, let's just say that you're in the second story of your house and uh, all of a sudden you smell something and your house is on fire. You say your wife, you say, Honey, you know that fire escape that I was going to build? I think I'm going to build it right now. It's a little late for that. What Peter is doing is getting Christians prepared for the storm. I don't know what kind of storm you're going to face in your life. But I believe we can get ready for the storm. Now, Jesus had died and was raised from the dead 30 years before this. And Peter is writing to believers that were hurting. They were suffering. So what kind of encouragement did Peter give to these Christians? First of all, if you're taking notes this morning, focus on our future hope. Focus on our future hope. Now, if you're saved this morning, we have hope. And this hope is not wishful thinking. This hope is real. Notice in verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now all of us desire hope. When you go to the hospital, you have hope that you're going to get out pretty soon. If you have some kind of disease, you have hope that the disease will go away. If you're in debt, you have hope that you'll get out of debt someday. We have hope if we're saved this morning. Most people, including Christians, we try to find our hope in other things than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want lasting hope and real hope, you have to find it in Jesus Christ. People that have long-lasting problems need hope. Maybe you have the same problem you've been facing the same problem for a long time and for months and for years and you begin to lose your hope. Folks, you need hope this morning. People that are experiencing fear need hope. People that are experiencing worry need hope. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. So Peter is trying to encourage the believers to focus on their future hope. The great hope of every believer is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them and their sins have been forgiven. The greatest act of mercy that you have ever experienced, you experience that salvation. Imagine that. Think about your salvation. The day you got saved, all your sins were forgiven. All of them. And you have a home in heaven. A lively hope. Now what involves in this hope? The moment you got saved, you became a Christian and you got a new father. Now maybe your earthly father's dead. Or maybe your earthly father wasn't that outstanding and uh, maybe your earthly father abused you. Maybe your earthly father left you when you were just a child. Or your earthly father was addicted to alcohol or drugs. And you don't have good memories. I'm thankful this morning that once you got saved, you have a heavenly father. A father that is perfect. A father that loves you with an everlasting love. You see, our love is not unconditional like God's love. No matter if you stray, God still loves you. and You have a perfect father. You have a father that understands if you ever wondered why your dad doesn't understand you and you try to explain what's going on and he still didn't understand you? You have a perfect heavenly father in heaven that understands you. He cares about you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible said, Casting all our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You have a heavenly father that is available at all times. No matter where you are, Or what you're doing, your Heavenly Father is always available, always with you. Not only do we have a new Father, we have a new future. Folks, no matter how bad it is right now, things will get better for the believer. A hundred years from now, you will be in heaven. You'll have a glorified body. You won't have to deal with snowstorms. You won't have to deal with bills. All right, You will be in heaven. You have a new future. You also have a new focus. You know, the day I got saved, everything changed. My perspective on life changed. I don't have to live for this world. This is not home. My real home is in heaven. So Peter's trying to get the believers to understand that Life has changed for them. Notice in verse 4, he says, To an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter reminds them about their inheritance. They were used to the Roman government, Roman army, coming in and destroying a town, burning it down, destroying the crops. They'd seen it over and over again. They lived in fear. But Peter said, you have an inheritance if you're saved this morning. An inheritance that cannot be taken from you. not that a blessing? It was December 10th. I saw some... Video from a drone that uh, took some video of destruction in Mayfield, Kentucky. December 10th. A town about a thousand people got destroyed by a tornado. Remember listening to one of the men getting interviewed? And he said, I was ready to pass this down to the next generation, to my kids. They interviewed a guy, and he said that uh, he had a car collection. It was devastated. It was demolished. He said this car collection had been passed through the, gender, uh, through the family for generation after generation. They had video of the courthouse that had been there for years, was demolished, the police station. Houses looked like a war zone had taken place. Folks, aren't you thankful that our inheritance cannot be destroyed? Once you're saved, you're saved forever. No matter how bad things get down here, no matter what happens to us, we have an inheritance in heaven that will last for eternity. He said this inheritance is incorruptible and nothing can ruin it Verse 4, to inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's undefiled, free from corruption. Fadeth not away. Time doesn't take it away. I'm sure there's some inheritance that you have had for a long time and uh, because of time or because of uh, corruption. Because of rust, it's not that valuable anymore. I love this part, reserved in heaven for you. The power of our security, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God? It's just not a bank vault. It's not mankind that's keeping your inheritance. It's God Almighty. And for someone to take that inheritance away, they would have to be stronger than God. So Peter is trying to get them to understand. Focus on the future. Too many times we focus on the now, the present. Who are kept, who are guarded, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice. That's hard. James tells us to rejoice in trials. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews to rejoice when we're under discipline. Why? Because there's a good reason. There's a purpose in everything that happens to us. We can greatly rejoice. Not that we got out of it, but what God is doing through it. We learn several things about trials. In verse six, he says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. I'm looking forward to spring. I'm looking forward to summer until it gets 90 degrees and above. Then I'm thinking, oh, why is it so hot? Trials wouldn't last a season. Peter said they don't last forever. It may seem like they last forever and ever and ever, but they don't last forever. Now for a season. Peter's saying it's tough right now. But understand this, your real home is in heaven. Trials serve a purpose, though now for a season, if need be. Now, I've never had anyone come to me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this week? Pray that God would send me all kinds of trials. We do, we went out of trials, but God knows what we need in our lives. And the trial that you're going through right now, God allowed it to happen, if need be. Because sometimes trials will discipline us. I remember years ago, my uh, son Joshua said to me, he said, Dad, you're lucky. You don't get spankings. I said, Joshua, I would rather have a spanking from man than having God discipline you. Now we understand, it's not too long ago, he told me, now I understand what you're saying. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 67, the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. He said, before I got afflicted, I went astray. But persecution and discipline brought me back. Sometimes trials prepare us for spiritual growth. When you think about your life, when things go easy for you, it's easy to wander from the Lord. And sometimes trials will drive you back to God. And during that trial, you say, God, I need you. We need Him the whole time. But those trials have a way of bringing us back to God. Trials bring distress. The Bible says, in verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Then it tells us, yea, ye are in heaviness. Trials are not easy. Trials are hard. And I'm thankful this morning that God is in charge of every good and perfect gift from above. Every trial and every blessing comes from God. You know, we all have addiction of talking about our problems. Have you ever been around someone that's all they do is talk about their problem? We need to put a stop to that right now. Instead of talking about our problems, let's start talking about our joys. We have so many blessings. So many things that we just take for granted. Trials come in various forms. Various ways in manifold temptation. You see, your trial might be different than my trial. Maybe you're being affected by financial difficulties. We all have various trials. Trials. Trials should not diminish the Christian's joy. You greatly rejoice. Because there's a purpose in that trial. And Peter was trying to get them to understand that trials all have a purpose. You see, this is not our destination. This is our preparation. Christians, all of us, we need to focus on eternity, not on our present problems. And when was the last time you started talking about heaven? You see, you know, I'm glad I'm a Christian. Things may seem bad now, but I'm on my way to heaven. We need to focus on eternity. A wise Christian will live daily with heaven in view. See, when you get up in the morning, this is not your home. And that's what Peter was trying to... Yet the Christians to understand this is not your home. Your real home is in heaven. We often hear life is short, enjoy it. We need to say, eternity is long, prepare for it. Eternity is long, prepare for it. And so, first of all. We need to focus on our future hope. Secondly, we need to follow after holiness. From Genesis through the book of Revelation, God never commands us to be happy. Ever. Now, that's our desire. We do things because we want to be happy. God says, You be holy. If you're holy, a byproduct of it is happiness. Desire relationship with God. Notice in verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy. It's God, God is holy. He's not asking you to do something that he doesn't do already. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. This last week I was reading through the book of Psalms and I read in Psalm chapter 2 verse 4 that God laughs. And in Psalm chapter 2 verse 4, God laughs when mankind, presidents, kings, rulers will rebel against him. So I started thinking, No, when I read the headlines and I don't like it, I need to laugh because God laughs. It's like when I was seven years old, went to visit my cousins and they were 16, 17 years old. And I think they got annoyed with me and I was probably pretty annoying. And so they got the shove out of the garage and they said they were going to bury me alive. I, I really thought they were going to. They're 16, 17 years old and I'm seven years old. I got mad. I put my head down. I started punching them, and they were laughing at me. They're thinking, some seven-year-old kid, they can't beat us up. I'm glad. They, they pretended like they were digging they were going to bury me alive, but they never did. I'm thankful they didn't. But folks, God laughs. When armies and leaders think they're going to rebel against God, Because God is in control. All the armies in this universe that would come together to fight against Him will not win against God. I can't change what's going on in Washington. I I can't change what's going on in our country. I can't change what's going on in North Korea or China. But I can do this I can shine, I can be holy. That's what God desires. Because too many times we're trying to change those things we can't change, we can't control. God says, I want you to be holy, for I am holy. You see, what does that mean? That means to be without sin. Now understand, we'll never get to that point down on this earth. But we should strive every day to sin less. Because God commands us to be holy because he is holy. So he says, follow after holiness. God never, ever commands us to be happy, but he says, be holy. Don't you think our heavenly father desires for his children to be happy? Do you ever pray and instead say, God bless me, give me this? Have you ever prayed and said, God Would you reveal to me the sin in my heart? So that I will repent of that sin? So that I can shine? So I can be that light in a dark world? So I can be that salt in a dark, in a world that's thirsty for you or I can make them thirsty? God, would you help me in those areas? So Peter said, focus on our future hope, follow after holiness. But then he says, feed your fear. You say, wait a minute, pastor. I heard the slogan that you starve your fear and feed your faith. Well, notice what kind of fear that Peter's talking about in verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect a person judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear now there was a time when you would refer to someone as a god-fearing christian the problem with our society today there's no fear of god in their eyes i think of the laws that are being passed i'm thinking don't you even realize there's a god in heaven what's going to keep us from sin is having a fear of god because when men fear God, they depart from evil. There are over 150 references in the Bible to the fear of God. In Proverbs 1, seven, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. First Peter 1.17, And if he called the Father, who without respect of persons. Now we respect people. If somebody comes in and we know that they have a a great job and a high position, we kind of respect that person. God does not. God looks at the heart. And the Bible says, Judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning, here in fear. What Peter's referring to is the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. None of us will miss that day when we stand before God. And every deed, every word, every thought will be tried. That's why Paul says in the book of Romans, why judge your neighbor when you have to stand before Jesus Christ for your own sins? I'm not going to stand before God for your sins and you're not going to stand before God for my sins. You're going to stand before God for your own sins. So Peter says, pass your sojourning in this life with fear. Verse 17, if you call on the Father, who without respect a person judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. When was the last time you had a little fear of God? You see, the more we fear God, the less we will fear man. That's why we have such a fear of man. And we do things because of the fear of man, because we have such a little fear of God. The more fear you have of God, you'll view men in the right perspective. Why is it we're all the same when it comes to sin? It doesn't matter that God knows everything, sees everything. And yet we're more afraid of people finding out our sin than God knowing about it. Because people can say what they want. And they can lie about you. And they can exaggerate. But God knows the truth, and we have to stand before Almighty God. The lack of fear of God in the sense of being afraid of His judgment is actually the very... Root of wickedness. You see, if I had a fear of God like I should, I would stay away from evil, and you would too. Proverbs 616, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. Deuteronomy chapter seventeen, verse 19. And this shall be with him. And he should read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all his words, all the words of this law and these statues to do them. God said, oh, if there was just one person that would fear me. How do you learn to fear God? You get into his word, find out who he is. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse six, for as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great. Thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O King of nations? For to thee doth it appertain for as much as among all the wise men of the nations. In all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. we would have a fear of God if we really knew who he was. And God tells us who he is in the word of God. That's why the Bible says that every knee shall bow before him someday. So Peter is trying to get these believers to understand, yes, it's hard. It's Life is not easy. But remember this, focus on the future. We need to follow after holiness and feed your fear. You know, the more you fear God, the less you're going to face anxiety and worry and fear. Years ago when the kids were younger and I don't, don't remember how old they were, we were going to California having four kids it costs a lot of money to fly six people to California. So we would fly out of Chicago, and I heard about um, motels that would allow you to stay one night and then park in their parking lot, and then you fly to California or fly to your destination. You come back, and your vehicle is still there. And so it's called Park, Sleep, and Fly. And uh, I looked on the internet, and I found a place that wasn't too far from Midway. And I thought, wow, this would be great. And so I remember going up into Chicago, and uh, somehow I couldn't find the motel. And I saw a police officer. He was in his car, and he was uh just, uh, I think he had his radar gun out. And I pulled up to him, and I said, sir, can you tell me where this motel is? He goes, you're not going to stay there, are you? I went, oh, no. I said yes. <laughs> he seemed kind of concerned, made me really concerned. I thought maybe this isn't such a great deal. It was only supposed to be ninety some dollars, and you know, I thought that's great. I don't have to pay parking for my vehicle. Now I'm wondering if my vehicle is going to be okay. So we pulled to the motel, and I um, said, "Do you have a room for me?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and it's down the hallway, and it's on the second floor. And I knew we had to get up at four o'clock in the morning. So we weren't going to be there real long. And I thought, okay, well, you know, you could spend all this money and, and the, the, at least I had my van. I, I trust that the, you know, astral van had a good parking lot. You know, all you have to do is have a parking lot for the van. I, I thought, so we get into the room and the first thing I noticed, they had one of these glue traps. I'm like, wow, this is a big glue trap and all of that glue trap. There was all kinds of bugs on it. I'm like, oh no. I, I, I kind of hid the glue trap so the kids wouldn't see it. And I said, we got to go to bed early. We got to get up at four. And it's hard to sleep when you, you know, you don't want to miss your flight and you got to get up at four and you got to catch their shuttle bus. And they take you to the airport and you have got four kids and you don't want to miss it because uh, if you miss it, uh, you know, that's not a good thing to leave one of your kids behind. And so, um, We went to bed early. I think went to bed about 8.30 that night. The bed, the leg of the bed was broken. I spent hours and hours trying to keep from falling off the bed. I'm like, this is not good. I'm, you know, I'm holding on blankets trying to keep from falling off the bed. Well, then all of a sudden I heard this banging sound about two o'clock in the morning. And before that, I heard someone sing karaoke about, I'm like, this is a nightmare. Oh, well, oh, well, you know, it's just one night. And so I heard this banging on pipes. I thought, this is crazy. No wonder that police officer was concerned. And um, four o'clock, hey, I don't think I slept very much that night. So I get into the shower. Now I understand why they were banging. They had no hot water. I woke up real fast. I was already awoke, but I really woke up, you know. And I remember going to the front desk, and they didn't ask me how my stay was, and I didn't tell them till I wrote a letter later because I had my van there, and I wanted to make sure. I said, I told my wife this. I said, "Honey, I hope the tires are still on the van when we get back." And after we got back, I wrote a letter, and they gave me some money back, but terrible you no know, when you go to a motel what do they ask you how was your stay you no know folks this is not home you may say pastor my stay is terrible you're not home yet you're passing through god tells us it'll be rough God tells us we'll have trials. God says, don't be shocked when you experience trials. Don't be shocked when people are against you. Don't be shocked when people lie about you. Don't be shocked when you try to live right and you're being persecuted. Because this is not home. You're just passing through. So, Peter was trying to encourage the believers. And if Peter encouraged the believers when they were suffering persecution, how much more would Peter's words encourage us? Let's bow our heads forward to prayer. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I don't know what you're going through. I know life is not easy. Maybe you're going through a trial right now. And as Peter said, trials come in various forms. He said, don't focus on your problems. Focus on your future. Follow after holiness. It's not your responsibility to change things you can't control. Well, praise God and have a fear of God. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. How many would say, Pastor, I, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But I realize this morning that these are ways that God wants me to live in 2022. And I need to do those things that God's called me to do. Here's by hand. Please pray for me. Would you lift your hand? God bless you. Many, many hands all over this auditorium. Folks, life is really short compared to eternity. Prepare for eternity. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many would say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved If I would die today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. Is there someone like that? God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else like that this morning? Folks, life is short. Eternity is long. Prepare for it.